0: Hello and welcome to season five of Owning It, the anxiety podcast with me Caroline Foran. I am the author of Owning It, the confidence kit and my new book is called Naked, 10 Truths to Change Your Life and it's out now. I'm so happy to be able to release it to the world and hear what you guys think. For me it's probably the best thing I've written so far which takes a lot for me to say. Um, so for this episode I am joined by Linda Barry who is a career consultant and we are going to tackle all things career and work related anxiety, especially given the pandemic and how that has impacted people's work situations so whether you have been looking for a new job or you're having a difficulty in work we look at it all here and I find it really helpful with lots of practical tips Linda is available for one-on-one consultations and she shares her information in the episode and I will include it in the link to podcast notes Um, so do enjoy and let me know what you think and we'll be back soon finally back to season five of owning it I, i'm delighted to be back at it there's so much to discuss after the year that we've had and for this episode i'm so happy to be joined by my good friend linda barry who's a career consultant and um, who has you were in new york weren't you for quite a long time and now you're back back in ireland yes um thanks for having me as a guest i'm very excited to
1: get into this topic it definitely does present itself in the consultations that I do and I think in general it's a topic that isn't exactly spoken about you know people can be sitting at their desks and things like that feeling uh, not themselves and pretty anxious so um, but yeah I came back from New York in April so I'm back on Irish soil which is great it's actually really nice to be back but because everything is online I can still kind of stretch the bounds out that way as well.
0: As you touched on there, we're going to talk about career related anxiety. And I think this is like always an anxiety that that some people will have. But I think particularly after the year we've just been through, lots of people may have lost their jobs. Lots of people may have had ambitions of achieving X, Y and Z and they never got around to it. It's a massive anxiety for me as well is to always feel like, am I progressing enough? Am I doing enough career wise? You know, am I going to have even down to the basics of am I going to have enough money coming in? I know for a lot of people who listen and who follow me, they've been asking me to touch on this subject. So I suppose to start with, can you just tell me a little bit about how you work with people?
1: Yeah, so in terms of how I work with people, basically, first of all, I will do an introductory call with someone and just talk through, you know, what is it they're actually looking to achieve. Sometimes people don't know what they want to achieve. They just know something's not right or maybe they're, you know, something feels right in their company. They're delighted they're in the company and they want to know how to carve out their future progression. So it can come from two sides. But no matter what you're focused on, you know, anxiety always does come into it. It's something that's very real for people. So some people can feel like, you know, they're they're not able to manage their manager. Some people feel they're sitting in a seat and they're like, don't feel like they're achieving enough. And it really can be, you know, an internal thought or it can be based on maybe opinions externally. So we really jump in and like assess all of the different things that are not working for them, maybe not serving them in their career. And then what we do is actually just break it down and see what are the changes. So. Sometimes people think, you know, I need a really big change to fix something, but actually taking a step back, doing a bit of a reflection, mm. understanding why you're feeling the way you're feeling is like, if you don't do that part, you're kind of going to bring it with you and it'll it'll come up to surface again. So really just looking at what's not working for you and what's triggering the, the kind of need for change, maybe.
0: Exactly well I mean that was a really big lesson I had to learn the hard way um, back before my anxiety really really hit me was when I was working in a job that I really loved I, I couldn't have been doing better in it I kind of worked my way up to the top level I suppose that there was nowhere else for me to go but I had this massive pressure that well I'm here now what am I going to do I have to keep going and there's nowhere for me to go so I have to move I have to do this big change or I felt like I had to be feeling under pressure I had to be feeling fear in order to be you know learning and developing and and thriving and when I look back like I just wish that I had have allowed myself to before I just go and shift into a new you know a new job altogether that I allowed myself that reflection and I allowed myself the fact to, to just enjoy where I was because I was really enjoying it I wasn't in a position where the job wasn't good anymore or I wasn't satisfied I just felt this I suppose external pressure that we always need to keep pushing forward so I think hopefully with this podcast, you know, a lot of people can take a moment and look at maybe their mindset first. And then if they feel that it's not a mindset issue or an attitude or a perspective issue, then they can look about, well, what changes do I need to make practically?
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, the reason um I suppose I can spoke, speak to this is because I, I felt this myself early on in my career. Um, I had relocated to New York, got an amazing opportunity. And that first role, like, I look back now and look at how much it gave me because it was really a, a jump into the deep end. But what it was, is it was really, I think anxiety can show up for people in different ways. I mean, you're, you, you'll speak to this as well, but I really feel like it was actually how I was speaking to myself about my performance. Mm-hmm. So that's something that can be a really key factor, you know, and why I assess what, where people are at first is because it doesn't, it's kind of the same as, you know, Sometimes you'll buy a new outfit and feel like you feel better, but those feelings can come back up. It's really not about just jumping ship and moving jobs. It's Mm -hmm. about asking yourself, you know, like, what is it that you feel is not connected here? So it could be that the actual day to day function of what you're doing is just not something you're enjoying. And like the universe is telling you to move or switch things up. But it also could be just your own you being used to like not letting that achievement or success in. So I think breaking down the day, like if I recall, you know, there was definitely a time where I would have been in a bathroom, maybe upset, uh, you know, there was, it was a small company and thinking, God, am I, am I doing okay? Cause it's such a massive opportunity. So with that, I put a lot of responsibility and pressure on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I, what I did and what I do now, and I'm thankful for that time is that I use that as a driver and, and an indicator of like, is this right or wrong? So really zoning in on your day if someone's kind of feeling like that at the moment and they're really anxious about going back to work. Just zone in on the things that are you are enjoying and that in itself could be a template of a job description and understand what is triggering that stress or anxiety so that you can actually maybe filter it out and start isolating the things that I guess serve you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think one of, another massive lesson that I've, I've learned um, and it's actually something I I've written an entire chapter on it in my new book, Naked, and it's called There Is No End Goal. And it kind of goes against the popular discourse of always, you know, having this end goal in mind and, and and pursuing it at all costs. But for me, like my career has really started to flourish when I change my perspective from thinking about what, where do I want to be in 20 years or what do I think looks good on my CV or what sounds impressive or what, you know, what what would the traditional measure of success look like versus what kind of lifestyle do I want to have? How do I want to spend my hours in the day? That shift for me back to thinking about lifestyle, I think would have probably helped me back back then when I was you know having a very nice lifestyle in my job, but I, I was so focused on the end goal of pursuing something. So for me, I think a, a really great place to start if people are you know at a blank slate again or feeling disheartened or unmotivated or, or just a bit disillusioned by their career is, is to think, well, how do I want to spend my time versus what looks good do you think that sounds kind of like defeatist or do you think that's actually quite a good way to keep your well-being I suppose top of mind
1: yeah I mean it's something that that's a a big disconnect for a lot of people we look at the career as you know something that you need to tell people about uh, about a kind of a status thing sometimes like not not all the time but people forget that you have the choice as to how you want to spend your time day to day and how you feel in your career and that's something that You know, anyone I've worked with can really vouch for that as at the core of what I do. So anytime we figure out, you know, a career option or a company or we see a role, I will always check in with that person and help them to check in on themselves. Like, okay, that's an amazing role. But like, do I want to work in this place? Do I want to work in this location, these hours? And how am I actually going to feel? So something that comes up in interviews, which we'll probably get into later because it tends to be an anxiety driven situation. event but with interviews people are always focused on the other side of the the table and what I would do is work with people to understand know what's your side of the table and is this contributing to your your goal like your wish list for your career so Mm -hmm. I think connecting with what how do I want to spend my time like do am I enjoying what I'm doing if I'm behind a desk on an excel sheet day to day and I'm just really not exercising my communication or relationship building skills well, that's a sign, and that's maybe where the anxiety solution could come in is actually recognising that. Um, and I—I I, it's funny, I, I speak about it now as if it's something so easy and I was there myself and and like I only wish I could maybe instill the the feelings of that into this podcast. But if you do you know take out that piece of paper and just at the end of the day say, you know, what actually did I enjoy doing today? Um, yeah. and and have that build that out, it, it will help.
0: So thinking about even if you had you feel like you had a bad day, what are the elements of my day that I enjoyed? And then let that let that be the driving force towards shaping the career and the lifestyle that you want.
1: Yeah. And even, you know, you feel better. Like you get a bit more excited in the morning when you wake up and think, God, I'm so excited now. I'm going to be doing some of that project. But it depends on the percentage. So If you're on a Sunday, let's say thinking, God, I really am anxious about work or even coming back into January, you have to understand, like, is that just on a Sunday night or is that every night? So weighing up the time that you're kind of sitting in that space and that um, kind of one discomfort is important as well, because it can gauge whether you need to like address something small or something bigger. Um, But again, doing that kind of visualization piece on what is it that I want to, you know, have be a part of spending my time. Where do I want to be and what company is going to align with those kind of goals and, and do I have appropriate mentors in that company as well.
0: For people who are in jobs because we'll talk about people who aren't in a moment but for people who are in jobs and you know struggling maybe with the, the fear of am I especially because we've been working from home um, am I making it appear that I'm doing a good enough job you know am I going to hold on to this job what have you found in 2020 is the biggest driver of anxiety for those who are in work? I think that loneliness is something that's that's coming up a lot because
1: people are sitting at home and they are problem solving and some people are not, you know, naturally inclined to be able to kind of raise the hand in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So I think loneliness and then maybe stepping away from um, the communication piece as well. So if you're at your desk and you're feeling really lonely because you're working from home and you've no one to turn to, like, you know, as they say, the water cooler chats have gone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know don't be afraid to reach out I actually think now more than ever is a time where you can catch people without their distractions because they're not in the office either and you can really get that core time you know mm-hmm. if there's an area that you need um, help with if you have a question if you have an idea like managers and people and colleagues are going to remember the people they connected with during this time mm-hmm. Um, so I think you know definitely loneliness Um. I think as well some managers may have over delegated so volume of work is definitely something that people are coming up against and then again people being afraid to not meet their deadlines so they're they're tending to work more hours um and then another thing that's definitely prevalent is people actually being able to side eye the, the laptop in the evening so when is that switch off time and then feeling guilty just because they can see their laptop or see their work environment that they're not actually sitting there staying longer in and doing that so I think that piece of you know in the office you can kind of see what everyone else is doing and you can gauge if you're someone who's maybe not able to to structure your day yourself so having to structure your day on your own and wondering is it enough can be you know a very lonely place but as long as you're communicating and keeping those those lines of communication open
0: I've had to get really razor sharp with my communication because I work for myself now and it's you know I'm I'm barely ever obviously with 2020 you know in a room with other people um but I think Especially given the year we've just had, if people are panicked about, you know, how will my manager really know that I'm giving it my all here? There's probably a tendency to maybe over communicate on email, or or also to read into things like tone over email, or you know, say say a manager is super busy, and they reply to you. they're like, yeah, that's fine, and there mightn't be any, you know, flourishes of how are you? Whatever. Like to me, that would, I would think, oh, they're mad at me or I've done something wrong and I would start to overcompensate. So how do you approach communicating if we're going to be working from home more often in a way that shows that you're, I suppose, doing a good enough job, but that you're confident to say, look, this is what I've done. I'm going to step away now. And how do we stop reading into a tone over email? Because I, it's just that personalization thing where someone will just be very nondescript in an email. They'll just say the bullet points and I will think they're mad at me. It's a whole, I guess, thunderstorm of anxieties happening there around communication.
1: 100%. I think it it even features, you know, when you're walking around, you forget people are wearing masks and you're like, oh, why did John not come over and say hello? Um, but we're dealing with a pandemic. So one tool that I try and remember when I'm communicating with people is Everyone communicates differently. So you kind of have to, if, if you're finding you're having an issue or it's causing anxiety when you're communicating or receiving an email that isn't exactly, you know, um, as welcoming, maybe, or approachable, or you're getting that feeling, just get familiar. Is that, is that just one day that it happened or is it does it seem to be a theme? And then if you feel like that person, you know, maybe you can compartmentalize it and say, okay, that's their communication style. Yeah. Maybe I can try and remove the feelings and just look at the facts. But yeah. then actually zoning in and again, maybe setting scheduling a call, like a Zoom call and maybe some FaceTime virtually to just get to know the person a bit better. Now, I know that seems like a heavy order when you have like a lot of different things to do and it's not exactly going to be something that you'll always have time for. But if it is bothering you, your mind could go on, could have gone off on a complete tangent and it might not even be the case. It's kind of like when you meet someone and they've got like a resting bitch face, let's say, mm-hmm. and then they end up being your best friend when you get to know them. So I suppose being a bit patient, not you know focusing on the, the task at hand, looking at the facts, okay, what's in this email that I need to get done? And then if it's a recurring theme, you know, it's it's very hard to not take things personally at the moment because we can't see people. So seeing someone, seeing their body language, you know, seeing their reaction and, and bringing, you know, the correct delivery and timing of that engagement is really important as well.
0: Something I'd love to ask you about is... Um... I guess vocalizing these insecurities in the workplace, especially if we're doing it remotely. So I've been giving talks in companies about the power of vulnerability and and how it doesn't have to negate professionalism because I think, you know, historically and culturally, traditionally, we all kind of think the last thing you should do is ever show your vulnerability in the workplace because you won't get ahead or people won't respect you or whatever. But I actually think after the year we've had, we've all been forced to become vulnerable We've all had, you know, our knickers in the background of our Zoom meetings or we've had kids interrupting us or we've had the Tesco delivery arrive in the middle of a meeting or something like that where we've all we've all had to just really try and cope and bed down and allow for you know the lack i suppose the lack of professionalism in some scenarios and i think it's helped us to take down some barriers to really connect with the humanness of us all and to to be more forgiving and more compassionate everyone has been feeling the pressure and the anxiety in so many different ways as well and i think if we can all just acknowledge that we're all in a similar boat and allow for that vulnerability that i think the work will improve and i also think your relationships will improve and then therefore your experience of your work will improve as well but people do find it hard sharing their vulnerability in work so like for me it would be a case of being vocal about where my strengths are and maybe also being confident about where the gaps in my knowledge are would you agree with that that it's okay to say do you know what this is something i'm really strong on this i'm a little bit unsure if someone could bring me up to speed are, are, is everyone afraid to share their vulnerability and should we try and, and broach that subject I mean, I
1: think what we've all learned and and found out through through zoom and through this time is like we've seen the human side of everyone. So, you know, the, the kind of perfect imperfections, I suppose, and we've become less judgmental, you know, we're more tolerant of if someone comes on and and their kid runs into the room, we kind of embrace that. and, And again, getting to know the person a bit more. So it's helping to you to, you know, even approach with someone, how you engage them, the relationship you have with the manager because you're seeing their full, their full kind of life behind the scenes, So I am always talking to people and working with people about, you know, raising the hand if you have a question or if you're feeling like you don't have enough product knowledge or something's missing for you, whether it's a skill or whether it's just an actual kind of um, vulnerability, I am always advocating that people take time to you know sit down and address it with someone that you're comfortable with but address it and bring it in a way that like you're not just saying it you know pick your person so yeah. if it's something that you want to fix yourself then maybe you know you're talking about therapy whereas if it's coming into the workplace um as long as it's not going to show that you're completely unable at your job like you have to kind of be tactful around it mm. you want to show and show it in a way where look I'm actually kind of, you know, struggling with Excel here. Um, So I'm not looking to kind of delay a report here. So I wonder if there's training available. Or I'm, you know, I actually felt really um tired and exhausted after that project and that consulting job we did. And um, Would it be possible for me to maybe just do an hour of admin or take two hours out of my calendar with no disturbance? Whatever the situation is, once you mention it and you bring a, you know, a reasoning behind it or kind of a, a delivery point. And what it's doing is it's actually empowering you because you're going to have to come up with like, you know, the actual how can I get over this and overcome it and then present it rather than looking for the manager so again when you're dealing with managers and communicating even with colleagues like don't just bring the problem bring the solution but more so for yourself first like almost figure that out and yeah. then present it and and once everyone's aware people will support and they'll work I mean if you get a manager who's intolerant of like people's vulnerabilities well then you're going to have to question whether that's going to be a trigger for you and whether it's the right fit because after this year if people aren't vulnerable well then I I think that people have missed the mark and I w- went to a virtual conference really uh, recently it was the image business and women and this was the main you know everyone said drop the tools we're not talking about you know deadlines we're not talking about any pressure points we're talking about who are you as a candidate showing off in your interview like if you can do the accounts if you're good at creating ideas for the marketing that's all fine but like are you empathetic are you able to be flexible because this pandemic has shaped how people are going to you know the people that they need in their teams and the people that they want you to be in the workforce. And it is going to have a ripple effect and and make um, a broader range of skills that are needed being like more kind of, I guess, soft skills. So definitely embrace your vulnerability because it can actually be something that can work for you and differentiate you as a candidate.
0: I think so and I think it it can also be a sign of confidence as well even though we think it's the opposite I think to sort of own the gaps in your knowledge and to be confident about where your strengths are no one can then throw back at you or no one can you can't be found out and I think if you do that you actually also help to get rid of imposter syndrome because you're being authentic and you're not hiding behind any pretense that's been the big game changer for me with imposter syndrome which is a whole other thing in work where, you know, we feel that what we put out there about ourselves in the workplace is so much at odds with how we feel about ourselves privately. And to me, it makes sense that the solution to that is to kind of close the gap between the version of ourselves that we bring to work and the version of ourselves that's really who we are. And in order to do that, I think you have to allow for vulnerability in a way that it doesn't mean you're crying in work or it doesn't mean you're throwing yourself on the floor. It just means you're allowing for that human connection and you're, you're enabling others to bring it out in, in themselves as well. I think it's really powerful.
1: If you're in a meeting and you, you know, everyone's like nodding, like nodding dogs and one person puts up their hand and they say, do you mind just going over that again? I actually, d- I don't understand that last part. I know for myself, I'm like, wow, I yeah. am in awe of that person because yeah. they're ahead of the game. And yeah. how many times have someone said, who else in the room would like me to go through the the answer or whatever the, the classroom setting or if it's in a meeting in a boardroom, whatever. You will have people raise their hands. It's just, we're not all versed in that. We're not familiar with, allowing that that be the case that you maybe don't know the answer yeah Um, and and at the end of the day what's going to happen is that you're going to get the answer and you're going to be just become a better person and less anxious and the work is going to be better as well yeah and you're good the people are going to respect you employers want you to ask questions they want you to ask questions in interviews and for yourself you want to be someone who asks questions because I mean you and I both know sometimes we're just sitting by ourselves at work with the wall to search you so like you do have to ask questions of yourself and do your research and keep up to date and that's the same in whether you're in a in a room of 100 people or whether you're in a room with yourself you should want to though rather than it being like oh god now i have to go back to work and ask those questions because that's what linda and caroline said will help me with my anxiety it's not it's like do you actually want to know the answers it's like what do you want to learn
0: what would you say to someone in a consultation now who is very anxious about the fact that they feel that they've lost a year of progress, or that they've just lost momentum, or they've gone off course? Like, you can't take back this year, but there's always time to to you know to to get yourself back to where you want to be. How would you approach that for someone? So I would firstly, um,
1: you know, address the kind of word "lost." To be honest, like I totally understand where the person's coming from, but I, before you move forward to like fix you know the or, or maybe address something I'd ask yourself what does it mean to you that you've lost like what have you lost yeah. um is it you know did you miss out on a promotion did you miss out on um you know that first year in the job where you're working with the team so identify that list of lost criteria or items and then see if there's anything that you can again kind of raise a hand or maybe start in- incorporating into your role so If it's something where you feel, God, if I I know if I was in the office, I would have been across the the room from uh, Sarah and I would have been able to ask her if she needed help with that project, but I don't feel comfortable because I'm sitting on Zoom. You can still do the same questioning and ask, you know, for more responsibility or more exposure. So if you feel like you have lost out on maybe some exposure in different functions or projects or things. Um, and then I suppose put evidence behind the theory that you have lost a year. So I suppose switching it up, like I'm I'm a bit solution driven in my consultations, um, obviously for, for a reason, but I'm always questioning, you know, is it really that you've lost a year or what have you gained? It, it depends on what we're focusing on. And I think you've highlighted this definitely in your two books, it really is about focus because if you sit in the lost, like if you keep telling yourself you've lost a year, you're going to, that's how you're going to believe and that's what you're going to be sitting with. Whereas if you identify what you think you've lost, if you put evidence behind, is it now a lost year? Or actually if you reframe it, you've gained other skills around actually maybe having to self-motivate in the morning, having to maybe speak up on in a meeting or present yourself on a Zoom meeting rather than, you know, not raising your hand. Yeah. And then... Um, you know, see what the outcome is if you do put together that list of what you've lost and see if that's there's opportunity in it. Um, but equally, we have to recognize that if you're sitting with the feeling that you're lost and you find it hard to reframe it, that that is something that is uncomfortable. But reaching out, asking or maybe seeing other people who say, God, I've had a great year. I've really learned this and this and maybe ask them what's their approach. Do they have like a list in the morning that they want to have an outcome of at the end of the day being, you know, things that they get involved in? Um, and then it's kind of recognizing those triggers, recognizing the solutions and being realistic about the steps you want to make to, to make the connect between <clears throat> the pandemic year and, and a, a year of opportunity, looking back and, and really recognizing those things that have helped you, you've developed. Um, and then the, the lost items can be an opportunity for next year. So it's it's not time lost, there's time ahead of you as well.
0: Yeah, it's so important to remember that. Um, and also to remember that. You know, it's not like you just took a year out where you did nothing. The whole world had to slow down for at least a year, um, so we're all probably feeling a little bit sluggish, getting back into the swing of things when we when we get to that point. Um, let's talk about people who are in the unfortunate position of having lost a job. Maybe they maybe they lost a job and they had to go and do another temporary thing just to tie themselves over, and now they really want to you know start thinking positively about getting back to something that really satisfies them and makes them feel good. Where do you start? if you're really I mean I've always been very fortunate in that I've I'm very clear on what I want to do and how I want to spend my time and what my strengths are but lots of you know people who I know are brilliant at lots of things and you know just really don't know they're just looking at just a whole world of, of options and ideas and they don't know where to start and they don't know how to figure out you know what career really suits me and maybe the year that we've just had is, has made them reflect on well it's like you said earlier is this really serving me very well or do I want a complete change or overhaul and if let's just assume we've already worked on the mental side of it where and they have come to the conclusion that you know what I really I am ready for a change and I, or maybe I don't want to work in this environment anymore where do you start
1: so basically i think there's two places so if you're someone who's studied or you know, you've been in school, and then you've gone to university, I always think it's a good idea that we complete, we tend to kind of go to university, learn, um, because we're supposed to, and then we, you know, come out, and we're looking for a job, but we don't sometimes connect with the transition of that learning into the workplace. So really, if you're sitting in lectures, or you're sitting in your class, just kind of think to yourself, like, God, what were the subjects that I I loved? Now, it doesn't mean the subjects that you had the, you know, a bit of laugh with the pals it's like what are the subjects that I kind of felt stimulated what if I had to choose you know my own timetable what subjects would I populate in that timetable and what classes would I want to attend and then within those classes like what is it so let's say it's science like are you enjoying the kind of research and the the report writing or are you enjoying the experiments or if it's um, maths. Are you enjoying, you know, coming up with the solution? Are you enjoying, you know, the teacher? Like, what is it about the the different kind of subjects that you enjoy? And same with your lecture, like, is it more the practical side of things? Is it actually the learning in the theory or is it actually the project work that you're doing? And then making that list um, and really trying to kind of reflect on like whether you're in it at the moment, you can do the list for the future. Or if you, if you went and studied beforehand, put that list together. And then sometimes that list will show up a couple of patterns. So really recognizing those patterns. So if you're someone who's like, you know what, I love working in groups. Um, I know I love being out and about, you know, maybe, you know, a desk job where you're just analyzing numbers is not for you. Or if you're someone who just kind of loves zoning in, you know, keeping the eyes on the prize of working with numbers, then obviously accounting or other functions could be good for you. So recognizing what is triggering the interest, what's stimulating you and what's kind of the most enjoyable part of your learning. Okay. Then if you've been in a job, the same thing again, like are you enjoying what you're doing and what are the aspects of your day? Like if you put time-wise, like I'd love to spend 70% of my time doing this, 30% of my time. And if you carve it out and map it out with like time percentages, you're gonna see a visual of, the kind of functions that you're you really would enjoy and then what you want to do is analyze job descriptions and courses that would kind of align to those before you make any financial or time commitments so the first step is to kind of zone in on yourself focus in on what you think you would enjoy rather than what others would and what you have enjoyed and then map uh, job descriptions and, and courses to match that
0: wow okay so you're really approaching it in a very methodical practical way of looking at what's working for you and what's not instead of just thinking abstractly, what sounds nice?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of the time what people feedback to me, and I suppose I would have experienced it myself, which can be the part um, that is the the first voice of of decision making around career decisions is that career advice, maybe in school or someone says, you know, you're, you're really good at this or you're not good at this. And at a young age, if someone tells you you're good at something or particularly if you're not good at it, you're going to take it for gospel. And you're going to, it's your first time being told. And you're still at that kind of stage where you almost are seeking, looking around, you know, at parents or leaders to give you advice. And so many people have told me that they were told they weren't good at something. And then it turns out that they there was never a zoning in on the interest of it, or would you enjoy it? So it's it's a lot of it is can be this stale guidance around you're good at numbers, do maths. But you could be really good at analytically and good at problem solving, but you might want to work with numbers and being analytical at problem solving comes into so many other careers. So I think that making that list yourself before you go and visit maybe someone in school um, and just maybe getting them to break that down if, you, if you're like, OK, you said I'm good at accounting, but what does that look like in a day to day? So knowing the function you could be doing and then knowing the feeling of doing that function as best you can and getting a visual on that is like, I think, the crucial piece that's missing.
0: I want to ask you about probably the biggest driver of anxiety among my friends who are working is when they get to the point where okay maybe they're happy in their job and they get headhunted or there's another opportunity comes their way and they're suddenly between two things saying better the devil you know or should I go for this I'm you know there's x y and z that I don't like about my new job but I have no idea what kind of environment I'm going into because for me I was burned that way. I was obviously in a job that I really liked, but I felt, you know, stagnant a little bit. And then I went into a, a new job and I swear to God, within a few days, I was like, what have I done? I don't want to be here. I'm after screwing things up now, I can't just quit. I can't just go back. My job has been replaced. This massive anxiety around making that leap of faith into something new is crippling. And it's hard not to be led by emotion or fear, especially when, you know, For I think for me, if I was ever in that situation again, I think I'm so risk averse now in that way and that I might miss out on opportunities because I'm I'm so afraid of rocking the boat or walking into an environment that's actually going to you know impact my mental health poorly or that I'm just going to feel like I just don't like it I shouldn't have done this what are you supposed to do in that moment of indecision between something that sounds good but but might not be right for you and you won't know until you do it
1: So it's a really good question. And it's it's pretty much the crux of, of a lot of what I deal with in the consultations. And, you know, that you're second guessing it's, you know, you're kind of thinking, God, what's what's that going to look like? So I know I talk about this a lot, but it's again about doing your homework. So if you say like, you know, um, what direction is this going to take me? How am I going to feel? So the thing about it is you're asking yourself, why are you in that position in the first place? So why is it that you maybe sought out that role or maybe why is it that it's interested you if you've been sought out? So I work with a lot of people in accepting that they've been headhunted as well, because, um, you know, I've worked with people who have always um, gone about finding a job for themselves and all of a sudden they've been presented with, you know, um, oh, will you take on this role? I think this role would be a good fit for you. So, The interview process is extremely important um, for you to figure out if a role is going to be the right fit but before doing the interview it's important to figure out what that fit looks like so taking um, a step back and asking yourself you know what are the what candidate do i want to be next what kind of role do i want to be doing do i enjoy you know again the project side of things do i enjoy analytics do i enjoy being out meeting people or do i prefer to kind of be in my own company like what is it what candidate are you most comfortable being and then as you go through exploring the job description, you're gonna say, okay, I'll take that verbatim because I still need to do an interview and find out. And you need to go into that interview then with in mind, you know, the investigation and the vetting that you need to be, to be doing. So I always look at an interview as like a two-way meeting, really. I know they're meeting you and it can be very intimidating. It is very intimidating and like a prodding process, but you can equally have control and actually you know, mitigate your anxiety by taking control and saying, okay, they're going to ask me questions about my experience, but I want to ask them questions about the, the company, the culture, the day-to-day, like give me an honest day-to-day in this job and how do you feel in it? And then you could look at people who are ahead of the game so if someone's in that role already you know maybe in another company or if someone is a couple of years ahead in the industry or the career that you're thinking about maybe taking a leap into ask them you know what's been their experience what have you thought about you know the the what's been your worst day what's been your best day and and the highs and lows so you have all that information you can use that to shape your questions in an interview and then you will have the two offers. So you're, you're basically doing a, a comparison until you accept the offer. It's reframing what that is. It's not an offer yet. It's a journey until you make the decision.
0: I also think it's really important um, to remember that, you know, you are well within your rights to pursue things and to go and have an interview and to go and have a coffee with someone without feeling like you've already signed your life away. I think people have this fear, and I definitely do as well, where it's like, oh, if I'm going to go through this, I'm going to waste their time, so I better want it. But you know, we have to remember that we hold the power. It's our lifestyle that we're shaping and that we're influencing. We can't be doing it for for other people. We have to be putting ourselves first and remember that you can pursue avenues without having to commit to them. Sometimes pursuing an avenue might make you realise, do you know what? I'm actually really happy where I am. Exactly. I mean, that's what happens with
1: people a lot that I work with too, is that they're just, you know, I, I worked with someone recently and they were looking at options and they had it in their head. They built it up that they needed to move. They were like, I need to move this is not working for me. And then we realized actually they don't really want to move and they're at the top of their game in what they're doing and there isn't another company or a competitor that's going to fulfill them or meet you know, what they're looking for and they're enjoying the safety and the familiarity and the role that they're in. But what was missing is that the day-to-day of their role was actually getting a bit you know, stale for them. So they're now going about carving out a conversation to see how they can broaden their role. And maybe they can do some international, uh, you know, part of the role as well. So it's not about just jumping ship, but it's also, you know, thinking about that communication piece again, but also just before you take any leaps, make sure you know why you're taking the leap. It's the same as turning up in an interview, like make sure you know why you're in the seat. And I know this is all easy for me to say because I do this job and help people with it, but it works. It's, it's very, you know, it's really about participating in the process of finding out how you want to spend your time. Like that's how I would sum up what I help people with, no matter if it's a small tweak or if it's a massive career move like a relocation or if it's that promotion or you're feeling lost. Just come back to yourself. The same as what they say in meditation and ask yourself some real questions without any disruption, without any distraction. If you don't have the answers, you know, really go out there and seek some help because, again, we, we all have that bias and we have a bit of Irish apology about us as well. So zone in on yourself, come up with your own answers, do your vetting and then you the decision will be there. It will have have unraveled on that journey. And that's what happens all the time in my consultations.
0: Even though you're career consulting, you are kind of life coaching as well, really, and going into the root of what people will feel satisfied with or looking at their mindset and their attitude I suppose is is so important it's not just about what the job description looks like and whether you fit it you know yeah I mean I've
1: worked in recruitment in like three different locations and I'm so thankful I have like in the US London and, and in Ireland and the same thing happens over and over you know when as years went on I realized you know when you're looking for candidates it's actually they the employer doesn't know who they're going to hire until they meet the person I suppose the same as a partner, sometimes you don't know who you're going to date until you meet them. But so you by you looking at the job description as a glimpse as to what they want, you know, they think they need all these things. First of all, they're not going to get absolutely everything on the job description. And second of all, they haven't met the personality that's going to fit that job either. So if you bring your true personality, you put some homework into understanding the job description, get a bit of an understanding as to what the, the culture is, what the vibe of the company is, and that's what you do through the interview then you can, you know, shape yourself towards that role. And if it's not feeling like a right fit, like if you're in an interview and the walls are falling down around you, you're like, if they're not looking after the paint, maybe they're not gonna look after me as an employee. So just even those small things, really doing that vetting and, and bringing it back to you and, and taking control. And that will hopefully dissipate some anxiety as well about like, oh God, are they going to choose me? But actually it's you, are you gonna choose them as well?
0: what about the anxiety of being in a job where you know well you're not sure if you're still in it because you love it or because you're afraid to venture out of it I'm just thinking of some some friends or some people that I know who maybe are paralyzed between the feeling of convincing themselves that they're happy in their job and it's fine but really oh, yes. it's more the fear of well taking the leap taking the leap yeah so with that I think it it you know you're
1: in a safe zone you've you've put commitment and time into a job you know the lay of the land there you know starting over you do feel like it's the first day of school again and it can bring up vulnerabilities it can really ask a lot of you so it's not just about you know will i be able to do the job it's like will the team like me am i going to you know get the same feeling that i've had um maybe in a a job that i've liked before so I think the thing again is to just really make sure you're on a road of of um, exploration before you make any decisions. So same with courses, same with new jobs, make sure that you really explore, like, first of all, what's the criteria that's maybe triggering the, the feeling of maybe being bored in a job or that I'm not really loving what I'm doing. So if you're not loving what you're doing, what is it you would love? Like, would you love more of something or would you love less of something so sometimes I work with people and they say do you know what my last role suited me much better the hours and everything so I'm going to take that step back and it's not a step down yeah it's very important to reframe that it's a step back to what suits the person better so what is going to serve me and what's more suitable what makes me feel comfortable if you're someone who wants to push yourself and you know go forward they're your goals that's your wish list that's fantastic if you're someone who's very comfortable with a certain level like your level is only your level you know the level that's your level is the level that suits you it's not anyone else's level so I would say just equip yourself with information do a bit of research we often get really excited about researching what we're going to wear to a wedding exploring the shops what we're going to do when where we're going to go on holidays like is it going to be kid-friendly yet we don't do that for our career so that's what I'm really about is to help people do that investigation and participate in it so that they get the right answers before taking any leaps and, and you give yourself confidence and reassurance on that process
0: in an interview process um do you think it's smart or not so smart to vocalize if you've been in a bad, position before if you've had a bad experience like for example I've worked in companies where I have really loved what I do I love the job I love you know the work that I produce and what my job description is however the politics in the work have been the biggest driver of anxiety I've had gone home in tears and I think that can be so common where okay so it's not the problem that you don't like what you do you just where you are is not a good place for you and then you're going into a new job and it sounds again like the job description sounds right up your street but you want to make sure that this is not going to happen again can you be upfront, or should you be upfront and say listen I'm more than capable in this job I'm these are my skills but I'm concerned about the, the politics or because I've come from a toxic environment and I don't want that to happen again because I really do value my well-being so I really want to be upfront about that as a priority for me
1: yeah, I, it, it all depends on your level of comfort with your own voice, I think. And that's also something that can be a part of the anxieties feeling like I know what I want to say, but I don't know how to say it. Yeah, And when you're in a toxic environment where the politics or just the culture and environment is not, you know, where you need it to be for yourself. It's very hard to not feel isolated. It's hard to not feel like paranoid it's hard to feel like you're not alone and I suppose that's happening maybe with some people at working from home as well which can be um, exacerbated but what you want to do is just you know think about like okay have I been here before is this new for me and what what really can I do about this so rather than making any rash decisions I suppose finding out a little bit more about like not is it me or versus them, but like, is it, you know, the, the company, does it seem to be across a team or is it just one person is kind of driving this, this force and maybe having a, you know, a meeting with someone who's, you know, a key decision maker, someone you can approach. And, and again, it's the same thing as showing your vulnerability and asking maybe for help, just sit down and say, I am absolutely loving my job. I'm really, you know, feeling like I'm developing. It's actually the exact role I've been looking for. And I didn't even know it until, you know, I'm sitting it here, but I'm just unhappy with the politics. I find them distracting, you know, for the team and for, for myself. I mean, I suppose you can just speak for yourself, but, you know, I, I want to do a great job and, it's, and I want the culture to be right, but this is just not something, you know, that that's going to work for me. So, Again, doing your homework, making sure your timing and your delivery is appropriate for for having that conversation, and having those maybe three top points that you really want to drive home. So not making it out that you know the the company and and making it a c- catastrophe, but make showcasing you know good examples and evidence of, things that you know whether it's affecting a deadline on a project whether it's affecting the length of a meeting whether someone you know is just it really it's affecting you as a person and i think those conversations are going to be easier to have when people reconnect because people are going to appreciate that connection much more and and having those conversations but just don't be afraid make sure you're you know it's kind of legitimate i suppose first and then when you make sure it's legitimate for yourself make sure then you have the right way of delivering it and, and maybe do a role play with someone, you know, or seek advice. You know, I work with people all the time on, on these situations, unfortunately, but what we do is reframe it to look at like, okay, if you have this conversation, remember what skill you're going to build. You're going to build, you know, your confidence around actually speaking up. You're going to develop your voice. So for every bad situation or, or less likable situation at work, you can actually come out the other end with skills and a, a different, you know, capability. But I know that's like the, the other side and you have to go through a bit of a, a process first.
0: And what if everything is great in your job? However, there's just one person that you have an issue with and maybe they're a colleague on the same level as you and it's really affecting your anxiety. It's making you dread the job and if that problem could go away, you'd be very happy. Is that something you should address directly with the person, or would you go to a manager? Or how how would you broach that? Because that can really, really start to erode people's sense of well being in the workplace. I think it's it's kind of hard,
1: and I think you know there's there's not many people who've who've been able to avoid that situation, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone is a person underneath it all, and people can be cutthroat to try and get ahead. People can undermine other people just to make themselves feel better. So. Looking at, like, I always say to people, you know, well, at least if it's not a positive, um, you know, a portrayal of or a presentation of a person, like at least, first of all, acknowledge, like, you don't understand why that person is the way they are, because you're not doing things the way they do it. So acknowledge the difference first, and then use that difference as an anchor to kind of be able to carve out, okay, what is the conversation I can have with this person? So I would approach them maybe in a calm way, and just say, look, I've, I notice we're working together um, on this part, but I, I find that sometimes maybe when I'm speaking, you interrupt me or, you know, I saw an email you sent to someone else uh, speaking poorly about me. I mean, it obviously is case by case, but just wanted to have a quick chat to see, you know, is there something that we need, needs to be resolved? Is there anything I can help with in a very kind of calm and approachable way? So if that person is aggressive, I mean, it's it's not really always advisable to just do it one-to-one, but then if you're bringing people in, you don't want to be making a mountain out of a a mole either so i think it's it's hard sometimes to gauge like what's the actual appropriate way to to go about addressing it but i think understanding your side of the table first approaching the person if they're not open or they just get defensive or all of that you know you're going to have to gauge their reaction and then take your next step and maybe go to a manager then after and say look i tried to resolve this myself they weren't open to it i'm just flagging it to you i'm not looking to kind of cause any disruption but this is something that's going on. Is it okay if I maybe, you know, keep you informed? And um, because it is starting to really affect me, it depends also on, on the level. If it's extreme, you know, you want to go to to the company, see what their policy is and, you know, depending on what the advice is from the manager as well.
0: And before I let you go, I and mean, there's so many things I could ask you. We could talk all day. I mean, there's so many pockets of anxiety in the workplace, whether you're in a job, whether you're looking for a job, whether you're fed up with your job, oh, there's just so much to it. But if someone is going to approach an interview in 2021 and it's a dream job, like what would be your top, top pieces of advice or top maybe two or three things to keep in mind when you go into that environment?
1: So I think it's important to get your side of the the table ready, right? If you're going into an interview and you are, you know, very focused on their side, you're very focused on, you know, God, what is the job? You know, preparation is absolutely key. And I know that sounds, um, quite schooling but so many people go into interviews and when I do the interview preparation with them they just realize they actually don't know how to go through their CV and that they don't know what the job is about what candidate are they looking for you to be and what candidate are you and make sure that if there's any gaps that you're prepared to kind of overcome those gaps in an interview as well so if they're looking for someone who's planning and organized but someone who's done presentations and let's say you haven't done presentations before reframe it as i'm good communicator i'm good at organizing but actually i'm really looking forward to develop my career and include presentations going forward so look at it as developing it as an opportunity so i might be going off topic a little bit
0: no you're right no definitely it's just reframing something that could be seen as a negative in your own head as an opportunity for progress and a willingness to learn in the employer's head
1: Yeah, so you really want to kind of mirror the job description, first of all, like taking your CV, looking at the job description, what are the matches? Then you'll also see the parts that may be gaps that you need to kind of fill and get comfortable with answering those questions, the kind of questions that could come up, but also making sure that you have your unique selling points, like what's your competitive advantage? So really doing your homework around what's the company about, you know, looking at their website. You don't have to learn anything off by heart. You just have to, you know, be handy to be able to kind of visualise okay, what is it the community here? Like, what's the company like? What's the culture? And maybe speak to people if you know them, or if you don't know them, who could be in other teams or people who are ahead and just say, I just would love, you know, you have five minutes. I've got an interview and I'd love to know, you know, what's the culture? Have you any tips for me? So if you're really, you know, you know why you're going for the interview and you're really excited about it, make sure you gather as much information about them, but also take that trip down memory lane about yourself, because you don't want to be doing that thinking in the interview. You want to get you can actually take a, a lot of control of your interview before you can go into the interview by having your side of the coin in shape. And that will also instill confidence and get used to talking through your career story um, you know, as your journey towards the role as well. So that you're actually if you believe it, they'll believe it as well, not to be cheesy.
0: <laughs> For someone who is maybe, you know, more capable than anyone else in the room, but nervous in those in those environments, you know, who who maybe they're worried about their vote their voice quivering or just having, you know, if back before COVID times, shaking hands and having a sweaty palm or something, is there one thing that you can do beforehand or remember or tell yourself before you go into it just to help with that that performance anxiety of an interview is quite a lot.
1: Yeah, it's it's there's so so many people who are really well able and when they get in the swing of it it's fine, but it can really, you know, you, you can go down a rabbit hole if the anxiety takes over, I definitely um can resonate with that. But the thing is, right, I know it's very simple and we all talk about it all the time, but I cannot emphasize the importance of breath, like doing your breathing beforehand. We're all scrambling pages all over the place. I remember before interviews back in the day, I kind of laugh now considering my job, but you know, you'd know, you have papers all over the place of like the company, you'd be last minute looking at the, the company website and you're just driving yourself mad. You're, you're actually putting a lot of pressure on yourself and making yourself anxious. Whereas if you were to take time to just take a breath Get your mind ready, get yourself into as calm a state as is possible and speak to yourself in a positive way. I've been asked to go to this interview because they think I can do the job. I am just here to reassure them that I can do the job and that, again, if you have that preparation done, it won't be so daunting. But also just to say, do you know what? I'm going into this interview now and I know they're asking me questions, but I also don't know if this is the job for me yet. So what are the things that I'm excited to find out? And actually make it a bit more of an enjoyable experience. And I know it's really tough because you know you'd be nervous, but offsetting that those nerves with things that you want to come out of, uh, come out with at the end of that interview makes you, you know, puts you in control and it actually kind of releases. But telling, telling yourself, you know, asking yourself the question like why not me why would I not be able to do this job and why would I not be able to do this good interview um you're always going to see competition there's going to be competition but if you keep your eyes on the prize and focus on breathing and calming yourself and bringing yourself to a more comfortable state before the interview that's going to give you the room to perform rather than kind of stressing yourself out beforehand
0: amazing uh, advice there um I also I'm just curious before I let you go is it wise never to bring up money in the first interview And when I'm always wondering, when do you do that? So with the salary side of things, first of all, before you go for any
1: role, it would be handy to look up, you know, what's the range of salary that's um, for this type of role. So any salary survey that's available online, you know, for 2020, they'll probably be released January, February. And just get comfortable with, you know, your your type of role, the kind of salary range and make sure that, you know, you're comfortable either end. If they ask you about salary in the first round interview, I would always try and avoid answering it first. Just say, you know, salary is really important for me in this role, but for now, I just am really excited to learn more about the opportunity and to, you know, really understand what's the lay of the land. Um, if right. they do press again for the salary side of things, because I know it can be um, something that causes people anxiety make sure you don't give a specific number you can say i've done my research i know what the market rate is and i'm comfortable with that or if they drill again for a number which hopefully they wouldn't give a range because if you give one number you're either you could be pricing yourself in or out of that job and that can be the difference between getting an offer or not and you'd hopefully not want to put yourself in that position
0: okay very good give a range okay i'll remember that not that I'm going to go applying for jobs because I work for myself and I'm I can't imagine ever not working for myself and that my motivation now is to keep doing what I'm doing which is a great place to be I'm very fortunate to be here I want to keep going with what I'm doing so that I don't have to go back into a full-time job and that's honestly because I'm I'm scared I'm scared of of what you know the experiences I've had before and I just feel working for myself as, as much as there's anxieties with that around you know wondering how you'll make your income over the next few months the letting go of the politics for me has been a real release of of stress for me um but the flip side of it is the loneliness and the not having the camaraderie and that feeling of togetherness which really makes work so enjoyable so Linda that's Everything you've said has been so helpful and so practical and I really hope people listening have taken something from it. I've taken so much from it myself especially the idea of thinking about your side of the table and to really look at your mindset and, and separate like you said earlier the facts from the opinion which is a very popular CBT exercise which I've always recommended for people with anxiety of any kind is to look at well you said you know what is the evidence to support the the emotions or the feelings that you're having and separate those two and focus on the facts and that will help to kind of bring the anxiety down. Is there anything else you want to finish off with or that you think is important for people to realise or to remember before we go? Yeah I mean I just feel like what shows up in the consultations
1: a lot is just you know people a fear of participating and, and an unknown it's very unknown people still have their career framed as this unknown thing, whereas it's actually where you spend all of your time and you do have control over making the choice. So whether you have gone into a career that hasn't worked for you or you're just about to select a career, you know, you can take the reins. It's the same as I say, as a lot of other decisions we make. And it it, it is really important because it is where you spend most of your time. So if you are going to spend most of your time in your job, make sure you understand, like, is it going to be something you enjoy? But on the flip side, like nothing's perfect and the things that are hard in a job sometimes can be you know shape you for later on so trying to reframe if you're in a job okay i'm not loving this person right now or i'm not loving this job this function but how is this function going to help me like what am i actually learning from it and try i think it's all about you know for anxiety for anyone and i know myself if i wake up in the morning and i feel like god you know i imposter syndrome or whatever it would be if that's ever the case I have I've worked to try and reframe it and that really does help because sometimes what we what we actually see and feel is actually not the, the reality of what's happening but if the the reality does exist just make sure you take time to to really tune into yourself and make the decisions and the choice of the information and the research that you've done and that's what I, I love about my job is
0: working with people to really unravel that and get to that point brilliant and if people listening want to do a consultation with you one-on-one where would they go about setting that up
1: so on my Instagram page, which is Linda Barry underscore career consulting, and it's linda with a Y, um, you can just pop me a DM or an email. I'm actually doing my website currently as we speak. So looking forward to get that up and running. Um, but any questions anyone has, Instagram for now will be where, the go-to
0: okay brilliant Linda thank you so so much for your time you're absolutely brilliant um I feel so inspired now after having our conversation and I really hope that it will help ease the career anxiety that people have been grappling with after 2020 so thank you so much and I'll chat to you soon thanks Caroline I really enjoyed it